Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. The Blue Collar BS Podcast helps blue collar business owners like you build a business that will thrive for decades to come by turning that blue collar BS into some blue collar business solutions. In this episode, you're going to learn that your first job is not your last job in the manufacturing, construction, and trades, that servant leadership crosses all generations, education and manufacturing can work together, and authentic communication is key. Our guest today is Jason Haynes, a younger Gen X who grew up in the founder world and shares his journey. We hope you enjoy the show. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, Mr. Stephen Doyle. This hot June day, summer has arrived. Summer is alive and well here in Wisconsin right now. And uh, it's going to be like 60s and 70s next week. Who knew over the 4th of July holiday? Perfect. Perfect. That's great weather. So it's a lot better weather than than, uh, I would say where our guest is from because it's a little hot over there. Just a little. It's cool for our guest in Arizona today at only 90 degrees for the uh, middle of June. Um, We'd like to introduce our guest, Jason. Is it Haynes or Hines? It is Haynes. It It is is Jason uh, Haynes. So Jason and I, uh, we connected on LinkedIn. He's been a listener of the show. Um, He has worked in the blue collar world his uh, most, pretty much his entire career, mold guy, foundry guy. Um, all sorts of really cool stuff, and we are pleased to have here, Jason, to share your experiences and how you are seeing the multi-generational workforce uh, in the blue-collar world today. So thank you for being here. I thank you, guys, and I appreciate uh, having me on. No problem. No problem. So before we get started and before I forget, you know, it's it's the, it's the millennial boomer in me. Um, I mean, Gen X. So before we get started, which generation do you best fit in with or identify I, with? I am actually on the tail end of Gen X uh, the, the, as far as my generation. I probably fit in pretty much with the Gen Xers and the boomers um, with a lot of my beliefs and everything throughout the years. But I, I was looking at you guys' list and everything, and my wife, and then explains a lot of things about her, is that she falls in the, in the, the, the millennial generation. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's great don't don't get me wrong i i just joke with her she doesn't listen everything. does she uh no no she doesn't <laughs> listen <laughs> and she'll probably if she did she would probably laugh to be honest with you <laughs> right that's what they all say until they listen yep. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> 
So tell us a little bit about how you got started in, you know, blue collar world. How did you get started and, and saw that as a path to prosperity for yourself? So how I really got started uh, was just when I was growing up with uh, working on my grandpa's farm, uh, started out basically we was making hay, taking care of, uh, take care of far- farm animals and all that kind of stuff. Just the, the understanding that path. And then he went to, uh, we, he actually started a tree farm or a Christmas tree farm oh, and cool. just being out there in the summer, uh, trimming trees with them and going from there and, and learn that, that whole trade. Now the whole time I'm out there, him and my dad are both telling me not to go into any, any manufacturing work. So one of those things <laughs> I was trying to avoid any type of manufacturing work and got stuck plumb in the middle of manufacturing work when my dad actually got me a job at the foundry back home. And, and that's where I grew my passion for manufacturing and, and learning different people and different ways of, of guiding those people through through the processes. So that's really how I got my blue collar start is, is just being out there working at different jobs. Uh, probably the one job that I wasn't the most equipped for was actually carpentry. I, I, I Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed like carrying lumber and stuff like that it was just i i can't put two twigs together so so you weren't the pattern maker then in the foundry is that what you're no, trying to say no i was not the pattern maker <laughs> <laughs> what was what was your favorite part about working in the foundry what did you enjoy most it, it, the camaraderie i mean just being around the people I, I grew up also playing sports so it was one of those things where the, the camaraderie when you're there with sports and and the teamwork and everything the foundry was a place that I found that in as far as you just get to know people, start talking to them, learning, learning about them, learning about their, their journey really through life and where they came from, how they grew up, maybe what they did when they was younger. And it just, a just a camaraderie. It just enjoyed being around the guys and, and talking to them and, and being there and, and helping them out. Did they, so when you said, you said, Hey, dad got me the job coming in there. Did they accept you differently because it was dad or did they treat you and just haze the hell out of you because, because of dad? How did that, how did that go down for you just to be accepted into the, uh, the foundry uh, brethren, so to speak? Well, I, I have a funny story that I probably wouldn't be able to, to, to tell on here, but it, they accepted oh, we're me. Okay. We're okay. okay. If you want. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the very first day that I that I came into the foundry, I, I, I was the, was working on uh, what they called the drag cleaner. They they took me down there and they had me with cleaning the molds and everything. And uh, one guy calls me over and and if you if you met this guy, he was like the the, the class clown in a sense. He brings me <laughs> over to to him and him and his buddy were working at the what they called the core baker and the cope rollover. Yeah, he calls me over and he looks at me and I, I go, yeah, what what do you need? And he goes. He goes, I'm the reason your daddy's leaving your mommy. Wow. Just, <laughs> well, I'm looking at him like, wow. so, so, so I was accepted, uh, the, not by everybody, but for the most part, I was pretty well accepted by a, a lot of people. A, a lot of people love my dad as far as because he was very personable, loved being around him. And that's kind of where I started to build that, that sense of, of, of camaraderie and it was able to talk with more people and it was more comfortable because trust me you go into a foundry the first day you walk in there it's scary there's fires everywhere it's hot dirty it's not the 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 
best work in, in the world. And then one of the jobs I had, which was basically a, a middle molding lead, you would give people breaks at one of the jobs and you might be down there an hour later waiting for that person to come back because it, was, it wasn't it for everybody. And right. the summertime was even worse. No, I was uh, I was in a Ford shop, closed eye Ford shop, so I completely okay. understand. A little bit different, little bit different than a foundry or a steel mill, but it's still still freaking hot. Yes, yes, Just a little. So when you started in the foundry, clearly you were one of the younger ones. Yep. And how? Talk to us a little bit if you can remember back then of. Yes, he, he just called you old. Uh, you know, just in case you wanted to hear that, Steve yeah. just called. Hey, Steve, we should yeah. not call our guests old like that. Okay, you, don't do uh, that. Same age, it's okay. Hey, hey, some Steve. To be honest with you, some days I I, I feel old, and then I realize I got a two year old and a, a five year old. So I'm like, I don't feel as old as until they get older, and then I'll be like, Yeah, son, I can't go out there and throw a ball with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. So jumping back into that, me calling you old, back in the heyday, when you first started being the younger kid in the group, how did you feel received? Um, and did they provide any kind of mentoring, if you will? I think, uh, so in the job that I personally had, there wasn't a mentoring. Usually uh-huh. the, the, everybody's against you. The other shifts grew and over the other shift, it, it was a three shift process. So it's one of those things where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the last shift left me bad and, and, and you really didn't and you was working hard and there was stuff that happened. Well, the, yep. the guy that I just told you about, actually, one day I was saying something mm-hmm. to him and he, he, he just looked at me and goes, you know, Jason, just F what they think he's like screw what they think and just do your job and that's pretty much after that i, I pretty much gained a, a whole different attitude and I, I also gained respect from a lot of the guys because i started helping them out like like i said it gets hot in the foundry in the summertime instead of giving the guys a 15 minute break and a, a 20 minute lunch and a 15 minute break i would give them longer breaks to let them get off the floor much longer and i would go and get uh, bottled water and ice and all that kind of stuff because that was part of my job and it was one of those things once i started helping them out and take molds off and, and put molds on and, and and giving them longer breaks or if they had to use a restroom give them a break to get out of the the hot it, it was one of those things that, that that's where i gained my respect was i was able to show them that i was willing to work hard for them and they started helping me out and working hard for me mm-hmm and that was at all levels. It didn't it didn't matter age or anything. I I got to the point where I was on night shift, and there was people actually coming to my shift to work with me because I was helping them out. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So how has that shaped? How has that shaped your leadership or your ability to you know support um, support today? in today's multi-generational workforce how have you how have you taken those characteristics or those learnings and experiences to apply them today uh, and help your clients and customers understand that there are still a lot of really good people out there that want to work it's just different how are you how have you how have you put that together I, I think the hardest part when you, it's, it's in the position I'm in today is getting them to understand it because they don't always see it from what I'm doing and everything. But I think the the easiest way is when I go and I support those places and, and show them the, like within my network, it, working in manufacturing, you don't really have a network except for the people you work with. I always tell people it's 
you're in a bubble and the only people in your network is really the people that you work with in, in that manufacturing facility where now I got a network where I can just say, Hey, I, I understand you're having this problem. So I send the, send them that contact their, their direction. So it makes it easier for them to possibly find employees or here in Phoenix. Phoenix has actually grown in the last four years as far as manufacturing. When I first moved down here the, 10 years ago, the, it was like the stone ages. Like right. we had maintenance guys mm-hmm. that didn't even really know how to turn a wrench. It, it, a lot of times it was just a, a different it, as far as everything goes with the, the manufacturing realm. But now it's grown but a lot of people still don't have the best network that are moving here, manufacturing facilities. And I've started growing that network to where if they're looking for somebody that's possibly needs uh, cleaning supplies or, or something within their facility, I can say, Hey, I, I got this guy that you can actually give a call that's here, that's here local instead of doing the U lines or the Grangers or stuff like that. Or the uh, guy that I was talking to you guys about earlier that does uh, uh, automation and stuff. I've, bounced a lot of ideas off of him with what I do as far as process improvements and and taking a look at jobs such as uh, sorting through pictures eight hours a day that nobody wants to do. And after about at the end of the day, your eyes are so blurry, you're worried about whether you can drive home. And he was talking to me about Cobot, so I can bring them in, have them talk to the general manager or whoever's over that uh, facility and have them take a look at it and and maybe take that redundant job and make it to where those people, especially the the newer generation, those people that don't want to do that job, and I can understand why they don't want to do that job, and put them on a machine to where they can train and learn something that, that they feel like they're being more part of the team. That's cool. No, that that's that's the uh, that repetitive task activity with without perceived value is hard to um, get a Gen Z kid to understand. There's value to that. It looks yeah. like it's like, oh, yeah, just do this over and over and over again. Well, this is what's the value to that. So yeah. being able to explain yeah. the value of and the importance of those pictures and the importance of being able to sort through those for eight hours is hard. I shouldn't say hard. It's complicated because most people don't understand the true value of it because nobody's ever put a value on it. It's just what we've always done. Exactly. And, and the, the company that I was in, that was actually where their bottleneck was. Uh, it literally, it was out of out of position and one of the guys when i was going through it he's like you can't tell me that job's not boring and i'm like it isn't really for me because i'm trying to figure out a better way that you can do it but for you guys i can understand where it's boring and people don't want to be here but it it's important it was important because the fact that if the, the the pictures weren't getting sorted the next step in the process was pretty much screwed i mean you literally were drying up the rest of the process and it was i think step three in their process so you're pretty much drying up your whole whole uh whole process and then at okay. the end of the day everybody's running around trying to get everything done it's like it, it it's fun to watch it sometimes but it's like you guys do realize you could have done something that would help this that's why you're there that's why you're there jason yeah, well, yeah exactly <laughs> if they figured it out they wouldn't need you well, no, yeah, exactly. I know, but, and it, it, that's the the fresh eyes and everything as far Correct. as bringing somebody in with fresh eyes, right? So, in the Phoenix area, from a manufacturing perspective, with it, you know, manufacturing growing there, what have you seen from a generation perspective of, I would say, competence in the workforce, and then also acceptance of younger generations in the workforce? 
I think here in Phoenix, as far as the acceptance and the competence, the competence is a little bit behind, I want to say, because the, 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 a lot of people aren't from areas that had manufacturing before the, the 2008 recession. Okay. Part of the reason they grew their manufacturing is because everybody basically had no jobs and there was nothing here because everybody was a carpenter which I probably would have never been able to work here because I can't be a carpenter, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but you can haul wood. You can be a wood hauler. <laughs> yeah, haul the wood. But, but uh, yeah, they, they, so that's when they started growing the, the, the economy in other areas through like our ACA down here. And, but as you were saying, the competence right now is a little bit behind like the lean management. A lot of people don't understand that. I talked to people today and, and talked to them and they have never even heard of it. They're like, Oh, that's a great idea, but they've never wow. heard of it. Uh, wow. How, how, it's how really do you not hear about that? Anyways. It's a lot because there's not a lot of manufacturing. There wasn't a lot of manufacturing. It was all building houses, building uh, warehouses and, and stuff like that. And not, really financial technology it's all yeah. yeah and then as far as uh the younger generation working that i really here in phoenix I, I i can't really tell you what it what it's like i know we've gotten better as far as we're, we've built trade schools and, and that's coming into place we actually in pima county have a uh college or a uh, trade school that's just manufacturing um, oh, cool. but that's only happened in the last four or five years. So it's, it's one of those things where the younger generation, as I was saying, a lot of it was construction before, so it's still kind of behind, but not fully behind. Okay. So, so as you have that scenario where you're at today, how, how, how are the employers attracting or bringing those that young talent in that might not have that experience may not have ever seen a farm may not have even hooked a trailer to anything or even changed yeah. their own oil at some point of their life how are how are you seeing those manufacturing facilities attract retain teach and educate the younger generations what are they what are they doing in your part of the country to uh, be successful as I was saying before, with the trade schools, that, that's one of the big things. Uh, I know there's been a big push as far as uh, what they call MCOR or the Maricopa County Community Colleges right. has pushed that. Um, as far as what I've seen for myself personally, it's been more of bringing me in to train them as far as from the, the ground up instead of just going in and trying to force that square peg into a round hole where a lot of the uh, management's kind of got a general knowledge of, of lean and the, the front lines really has no knowledge and you're trying to train people. So really it's just getting people to understand that there's processes out there. There's actually better jobs that, than what they think. Um, and also showing people that rather than going straight to college and paying for college, you can work through your uh, manufacturer through tuition reimbursement programs and, and, uh, different items such as that in order to advance your career and, and grow better. Okay. And how are you able, as you go through and help them understand the lean manufacturing and, and that, you know, change is always happening and change isn't always bad. It's a, it's a good thing. How are you, how have you had to adapt your communication styles and, or um, techniques to support, you know, that 25 year old kid or that 19 year old kid that's, coming in what have you had to do to uh, adapt and change 
to be effective. I think the 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 one thing that I haven't had to uh, to change much as far as uh, talking because I I'm a hillbilly. I, I I won't lie, and a lot of people that come into blue collar jobs or, or it doesn't matter what part of the country you're from. A lot of people that come, or where you're from, you may be even from the inner city. You, most of them are are have the language such as mine as far as the, it's not the the most fluent and it's not the most uh always the smartest it's not the most intelligent but it, it gets the point across and, and it's easy to 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 start talking to people and relate to them and i think the one thing that i usually do especially with the younger generation especially because like i said when i grew up i was told not to go into manufacturing so i thought i had to get a college degree had to go to college thought i failed my parents actually because I didn't get a degree and ended up in manufacturing. And then once I got there, realized that there was something that, that would help me get my degree. Yeah, it took me, I probably could have had a doctorate by now because of the years it took me. But I was able to go in there and found out that they, they helped me pay for my college. It took me a little bit longer, but I got a degree. And it doesn't mean that you're stuck in that position. You have that opportunity to be able to advance. You can become an engineer. You become my degree was in business administration and marketing. And now uh, I use that with the business and everything, as far as getting out there and helping people understand stuff about manufacturing. It's just, I've been able to relate to people regardless of the age and everything, because I, I guess I do more of a straight talk and more of a, layman's terms I, I i know a guy that i listen to always says i have two languages and he said that one's english and one's hillbilly so, <laughs> so I, I just i i relate to people and it, 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 it doesn't matter what level they're on sometimes i i understand i'm probably talking beneath them but i still can kind of get the gist of what they're talking about right so what recommendations do you have for companies today that are Kind of struggling with finding the right talent. I would say the the if they're struggling to find the right talent, I think they one thing, and this is the one thing that I I, I guess is uh, pet peeve of mine is within manufacturing is the fact that we've always been stuck in the the whole. It's got to be eight hours. It's uh, you got to be <laughs> eight to twelve hours. You always got to work. The, oh, I want to reach out and just. Give you a big old kiss and hug, my friend. Oh wow. my god! Wow, completely because, agree. Holy yeah, yes. it, it's it, it, it's and don't get me wrong. I understand the guys that like doing that, but at the same time, I I had friends that I was making money when I was at the foundry, and yep. they loved the money that I was making, but they didn't have the opportunity outside they they had a kid they couldn't and they wasn't married or anything like that so they had to have have certain weekends off or they had to have certain things and those guys would have been great in the in the in the manufacturing facility but they couldn't work there because you had to be there a certain amount of time and, you had to show up at 4 30 in the morning yeah why, yeah. why? exactly and <laughs> the the we need to get more flexible with the scheduling and more. Um, as a matter of fact, I was actually just talking to a guy this morning that said his wife worked at Motorola on their flex scheduling. He said they did away with it, which I didn't have enough time before the podcast to research because I just heard it this morning. But he said that she worked there and they was also with the flex scheduling giving uh, like 
basically extra opportunity to pay for your schooling to go learn something and, and, and learn a trade or something like that to, to, to become better. And the reason she took the job was because they had kids and he had a full-time job and, and she needed to be home with the kids, but they needed that little bit of extra income, which makes sense. I'm like, why don't other organizations do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, an organization I worked with a couple of years ago was doing flex scheduling during uh, Christmas time because they couldn't keep employees long enough because of the of different needs outside, right. so they they allowed say an employee to come in instead of like you said, Brad. Instead of at four thirty in the morning, they could come in at ten and work their eight hours or their six hours to where they they met the needs of what their customer was wanting, but still filling the jobs. Yeah. So then, what recommendations would you give to the younger group looking to get into manufacturing? Uh, recommendations I would give the younger group, um, take a look at it first to make sure it, it, it is a good fit because just like anything, it's going to be a commitment uh, as far as that goes. Uh, if you really want to want to grow somewhere, um, and you got to understand like sometimes your circumstances aren't always going to fit into that, that area as far as, as far as, uh, what, well, in the past, everybody said it, it was dirty, always the grimy, dirty jobs. It's not always dirty jobs, trust me. There's a lot of jobs you go into that are that are cleaner than than going into a restaurant. I mean, I did work at McDonald's a long time ago, and <laughs> if a lot of people don't understand, behind the counter, McDonald's is nothing but a, a freaking ice freak. Yeah, and it's and when you go home, you just feel like you got ten pounds of grease on you. And I, there was times at other jobs that I've been at, not the foundry, but other jobs I've been at, <laughs> that I walked home and really didn't have to take a shower when I got home. So that's awesome. So, so Jason, if, you know, as people listen to our show, our, our tens and tens and tens of listeners that we have out here, you know, cause we are, we are world <laughs> worldwide, right. If they want to uh, reach out, have a conversation, understand some of those things you've talked about, about. You know, a kid wants to understand how to get into a trade or might be in the Phoenix area that says, hey, you know what? I need to talk to this guy. How do people find you? Where do they find you? How do we get a hold of you? What's going on there? Biggest thing, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can email me. I'm not I'm not good at answering the phone a lot of times because I get a lot of spam calls for whatever freaking reason. So I don't answer it. If you leave a message, I usually call back. Usually call back. Whoa, 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 whoa. If, if you leave a message, usually call back. That's not a good business well, practice, Jason. No, wow. it, 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 if, it, if it's my family, I don't call back. Ah, okay. Fair enough. All right. Fair. Okay. So I, understand this. I understand this fully. <laughs> you got to And I was thinking about this. So I, I use terms and I was uh, where I came from. Usually I always call back where I came from. Yeah. We always call back. But I I gotta change. My wife's bad about correct me on a lot of things because of where she works at. So usually means I always call back. It's just where I came. Sometimes from. Sometimes 
when you use the word sometimes, it's questionable. Usually, as always, that's, sometimes that's, it's maybe. Sometimes questionable. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, 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 and uh, I, I was thinking about that as far as when you go on, like, uh, on social media and stuff. A lot of times people post something on social media. And where I came from, one thing means one thing. And in another part of the air, the, the uh, country, some, the, the same thing means something totally different. And that's where I think a lot of people get into fights about stuff. And you're like, well, that's what I kind of met. All right. So are you a soda or pop? I am pop. My wife is soda. Ooh. And we're both from Ohio. So I'm from the southeast side of Ohio, and she's from the the Cincinnati or southwest side of Ohio. Okay. So Interesting. Interesting. Very funny. See where I come from. If you like, I said you can hear the accent. The O is elongated, and I think that's why we said pop because it was quick. Where soda <laughs> would be like soda, yeah, yeah. soda. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That is spectacular, um, Jason. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us today and with our our listeners. We greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, more of you on LinkedIn and, and connecting. Yep. And um, please, by all means, let us know what's going on. Um, you know, as you go through your automation journey and different things with with your clients, keep us posted yep. as to what's happening. All right. All right. We'll do. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Hurd. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.